السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ نحمد ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سیئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار so i can see this morning alhamdulillah that most of the audience are the children the young men and the young women so inshallah ta'ala my talk i have to uh, present it uh, to the to the audience um, the talk that i was going to present is advice for both parents and for children so it's advice to you and also to your parents uh, but since the majority of the audience here is other other young children the young men and women inshallah so we have to alter the talk uh, so it benefits the majority of the people who are present so the talk is taken from one of the great scholars who are alive today and he is in the country the kingdom of saudi arabia can somebody tell me the name of a scholar in saudi arabia okay that's one Alhamdulillah, you got it right. Alhamdulillah. So the lesson I'm going to present to you is taken from a lecture that was given by Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan and it's to do on raising children. Raising children. How to raise children. And all of you sat here now, you are children, but in maybe 10 years time or 15 years time, you are going to be in the same position, inshallah. Right? So once you get married and you have children, and your children are the same age as you are now. How old is everybody here? What, what are your ages? Hmm? 11? Huh? 8? 7? MashaAllah. Anyone younger? 9. Anybody else this side? You're not sure? 5? Seven, let me guess. Seven? Seven. Seven. Okay, so yes? MashaAllah. Six. Anyone younger than six? Okay, so six till eleven is the general age. So inshallah, so basically 15 years from now, mashallah, 17, okay. <laughs> so so maybe in 15 years time, you will be in the same position as your parents. You might have children. Uh, who are your age, maybe 15, 20 years time. So you will be in the same position now trying to understand and trying to raise your children to make them righteous, pious, good worshippers of Allah and who, um, you know, who, are, who, who have basically skills, they have skills that enable them to go through the difficulties of life. Yes? 
So this means that when you're listening to this talk, this talk is directed to your parents and also to you, but you can also take notes and benefit because sometime in the future you will be in the same position. Yeah? So what I'm going to do before we actually start going through the talk, I want you to understand a number of important things. The first of those things is I want you to understand the various stages of your life. Now the Muslim scholars, some of the Muslim scholars, they've explained on the basis of the Quran and the Sunnah and just experience that a person, he has five or six stages in his life, right? And so the first stage is the stage that most of you are in. This stage is when you are from, when you are born and you are seven years of age, right? So write this down and say stage one. This is basically when you are just uh, kids, infants, infants or kids. In this age, in this age, life is all, it's about exploring, it's having fun, having games, you don't have any responsibilities, do you? Right, your food is on the table, yes? You feel, when you go home, your food's on the table, who's put it there? Your mother or maybe your father, right? Everything is there, it's done for you, right? You don't need to work for your food, you don't need to, everything is there on the table. This is, and so you are free then to go and have fun and play around and, you know, climb trees and whatever else, you know, you, you do these days. Or what you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be outside and playing and exploring the world, not sat inside the house and just, you know, uh, stuck on devices. You're supposed to go out and you're supposed to explore and do these kind of things, yeah? So you're having fun and games. This is when, from when you were born, when, uh, up until the age of? Seven. Right? In this, in this time period, your parents are doing a lot of things for you, right? So when you were born, there's some things that you can't do for yourself. Can you feed yourself? Right. Can you clean yourself? Right. Can you go to the toilet by yourself? Who has to do that? Who does all of that? Right, okay. Right. So, so these are things where you depended upon your parents. Your parents have done a huge amount of favours to you because they love you, they care for you. All of these things, they're preparing you for your life. Right? So you have to be very, very grateful to your parents. That's why in the Qur'an, in the Qur'an, there are some verses in the Qur'an in which Allah Azza wa Jal, He connects worshipping Him alone with being righteous to your parents. Right? So from those verses is the ayah in, uh, it's in three places in the Qur'an. One of them is in Surah Al-Isra, Surah 17, verse 23. So check this when you go home. In this verse, Allah he says, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّهِ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Your Lord has commanded or decreed that you do not worship except Allah. So here now we are commanded to worship only Allah. And then in the very next words, He says, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا And He's commanded you to be kind and to be uh, righteous with your parents. Why is this? This is because after Allah Azawajal, Allah Azawajal is the one who created you, 
right? What else did he give you? He gave you hearing, he gave you seeing, and he gave you a heart and a mind, yes? Oops, you get tissue, you get tissue there. So, and say Alhamdulillah as well. So Allah gave you hearing, He gave you seeing, He gave you a heart and a mind by which you are able to think, right? You are able to think and make decisions, yes? Otherwise you wouldn't be able to do things in your life. And He gave you many other favours, the favours of food and drink and so many other things. So therefore your first duty, who's your first duty to? To Allah, to be grateful to Him, right? To fulfil your obligations. But then Allah He made the way that you came into this world, he made your parents the means by which you came into this world, yes? That's how you came to be. You were nothing. You didn't exist 15 years ago. You, there was nothing. You were nothing. And then you came to be. And then you came to be by way of your parents. So Allah he gave his favours to you by way of your parents. So your parents, they fed you, they clothed you, they gave you to drink, they raised you. That's why the first duty, after your duty to Allah in this ayah, is your duty to your parents. To be uh, kind to them, to be grateful uh, to them, to be righteous to them, and not to annoy them. Right? So, so, the point that I'm making is the first stage of your life is the first stage between when you were born to what age? Seven. Seven. This is the age of fun, games. You're not responsible because in this age, you don't really know what's right and wrong. Yes? Most children at this age, they don't really know what's right and wrong and what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. All they're doing is exploring and learning. So this part of the life is very easy. It's very easy for you. Right? It's just fun and games. The second part of your life is from the age of 7 to 15. Yeah? 7 to 15. In this part of your life, this is where you start understanding things and you start learning about what is right and what is wrong. Yeah? Between things which are going to benefit you, which are going to be benefiting to you, and things which are going to be harmful to you. This is what you start learning now. Right? And how do you learn these things? You learn from whom? Your parents. And also you come to school, you come to madrasa. Right? You start learning, you start learning. You start learning about right and wrong and about things which are going to benefit you in this life and things which are going to harm you in this life. And you are able to understand these things and you're able to make decisions. Yes? This starts from the age of seven. From the age of seven to the age of around 15. Right? So now this is a stage where you start becoming a bit responsible. You have to be responsible and you are able to make decisions and you are, you, 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 you are supposed to know about things which are right and wrong and this quality develops in you for these seven or eight years till you reach the age of 15, the maximum 15, right? Some children, they develop quicker. Other children, they maybe will develop a bit slower. So that's why in Islam, the maximum age for being a child, when you stop being a child and you become a man or a woman, is what age? Is what age? 
15. That's the maximum age, right? When you turn into a man or a woman. But some, they can, you know, they, they, they are mature. They listen to their parents. They spend time with their parents. And they learn about the world, right? And the more time they spend with their parents, they learn more things quicker. They understand more things about the world because the parents, they pass on their experiences, their knowledge. Do you understand? So the children who basically don't spend any time with their parents, they're not going to learn the, from the experiences of their parents. But those who spend time with their parents and ask them what they are doing and what is this and what is that and how does this work and, what is, and they spend more and more time, they're going to learn more things about the world. Right? And about other things as well, between right and wrong and what's beneficial. So these type of children, they are going to mature a lot quicker. So they will become men or women by the age of, let's say, 12 or 13 or 14, right? A lot quicker. So the second stage of your life now is, now it's not so much fun and games and exploring. Now you're starting to learn what does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be a woman? Do you understand? Right? This is, this is how life, this is how life used to be, right? This is what you need to give attention to as children. That when I'm, when I'm after the age of seven, I need to be like my father. What, is, what does my father do? What does he, what is his work? And what can I learn from him about what is right and what is wrong and how to be a good, righteous Muslim, right? So you have to spend time with your parents from the age of seven. Below the age of seven, it's okay. You can play fun and games, whatever else. After age of seven, you want to start learning from the experiences of your parents, right? Whether it is your father for the, for the males or whether it is the mother for the, for the females. So what you're doing now, you are, you are slowly becoming a man or a woman, right? There are only four categories. There is a boy and a girl and a boy turns into a man and a girl turns into a woman, right? There's only these four categories. There's nothing else. Everything else that you might hear, it's just, it's just uh, uh, it's something mental in the mind. When they say, you know, someone can be a man and a woman. Someone can be a girl and a boy. This is just people being confused in their minds. That's all it is, nothing else. It's not real. It's just an idea in the mind, right? You should know that there is only a boy which turns into a man and a girl which turns into a woman. This is how it used to be and was in every single nation in history. Do you understand? Yeah, this is how it used to be. You are boys, then you learn what it becomes to be, to be a man from your father. And you are a girl, and you learn what it becomes to be a woman from your mother. And there are boys which develop the qualities of their fathers. The fathers are strong, they are courageous, they are hardworking, they are protective of their women. Right? These are some of the qualities of, of men. And so boys, they learn these qualities and they pick up these qualities from their fathers. And women, they are modest. They protect their modesty. They are pious. They are honest. And they, are, and they have certain qualities which they pick up from their mothers. They are kind. They are loving. They are generous. They are patient. They pick up these qualities from their mothers. And this is how it always has been among all people in every society, in every nation, in every culture, in every civilization for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So these ideas that you might start hearing 
when you go to school or when you, you know, interact and experience these ideas about, you know, you can be a man or a woman or a girl or a boy, there's no distinction. These are just mental diseases. This is a disease in the mind. A person is just confused, right? Because someone's been telling him, oh, you might be a boy when she's actually a girl, right? And so in the mind, they become confused because when you are at a young age, you're not able to think properly. You haven't started thinking properly. So it's very easy to start telling someone, a little child, something which is not true, right? Something which is not real, something which isn't factual. And then that child starts believing whatever he or she's been told because a child doesn't develop the qualities of being able to think critically, to think properly, except by the age of maybe 12, 13, 14, 15. By then it's too late. So all of these ideas that you might hear or come across, which are being put, these, these, these are false ideas. These are incorrect ideas. They are very new ideas which have never been known to any nation or culture or civilization for thousands and thousands of years. Is that clear to you? Right? So what I'm saying to you now, in the second stage of your life, what, is, what, what should you be trying to do? You should be trying to look at your father and see how do I become like my father. Right? And hopefully, inshallah, your father is, is a righteous person. He's, uh, you know, uh, is, is a righteous person uh, upon Tawheed, upon Sunnah. He has these qualities. And if not, you also look around to other people, like your father's friends. You come to the mosque and you see other people who are present here. Your uncles, the, the, the mudarris, the teacher, the imam who leads you in the prayer. These are all people you turn to and you look at them and you ask them questions. And you want to learn, what does it mean to be a man? How can I become a man? Right? How can I become a, a responsible man like, like, like what you are? Yes? And same for the girls. The girls, they're looking at... The, 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 the women teachers, they're looking at role models from, from, from you know, their mothers and their aunties and other than them. And they want, to be, they want to learn the things that girls learn about. What does it mean to be a woman? How do I become a woman? How do I become a righteous woman? Right? So in this stage from 7 to 15, this is what you are supposed to be doing. Yes? And what is the reason behind this? The reason behind this is that you want to reach a stage where you are able to live your own life without depending on your parents, yes? And your parents are just helping you to become like this, where you become full men or full women, and you are now able to make your own decisions, right? You are, you are, you, 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 your parents' responsibilities are to teach you Tawheed and the Sunnah, and to teach you about life and how to acquire skills and how to earn your living, how to earn rizq, right? How to uh, work or get income coming in so that you are in a position to get married yourself, to be able to look after a family. This is what your aim is in this time period. So, from the age of 15 now, the next stage is the most important part of your life. Yes? It's the longest and the most important part of your life. This is from what age? From the age of 15 to where? Somebody take a guess? Huh? No. 40. 40. From 15 to the age of 40. This is 25 years of your life, right? This is the most important part of your life between 15 and 40. 
This is the, this is the main part of your life where you are going to be tested by Allah Right? This first part of your life, 0 to 15, is where you are being prepared by your parents for the most important part of your life, 15 to 40, where this is, this is where the test is going to come to you from Allah to see whether you are righteous, to see whether you are truthful, to see whether you are a person who is going to worship Allah alone and to be righteous to your parents and to fulfill your duties, your obligations, right? This is a time period where you're going to put to trial and to test the most. So this is now the third and the most important part of your life. What happens in this part of your life? This is where you start seeing changes in your body. Right? So when you start becoming in the age of 13, 14, 15, and you start becoming a man or a woman, there are certain changes that start taking place in your body. Yes? You start becoming and looking like a man or a woman. So boys will start developing facial hair, right? And they will start developing muscles and things like that. And likewise, there are changes which take place in girls. They start becoming women and boys start becoming men. This is generally the, generally the time where now you are able to make your own decisions, you are able to think, you know what is right or wrong, and you are going to be held accountable for whatever you do, right? From the age of 15. Before this, Allah is kind and merciful. He's not going to hold you to account, right? If you make mistakes, if you do things wrong, right? If you're someone who hasn't become mature, this is from the mercy of Allah. This is from the justice and kindness of Allah that He won't hold you to account except after you are able to think for yourself and make decisions. Right? So in this time period, this is when now you are going to be held accountable for your actions and for your deeds. Right? So this period 15 to 40 is the most important part of your life. Right? So how do you make sure that you are prepared for this period in your life? And this is where we come now to four pieces of advice that Sheikh Saleh al-Fawzan that he gives to parents and to children. Right? There are four things that you as children should be concentrating on and focusing on by the time you come to 15 and you become men or women. Is that clear to everybody? Anybody have any questions so far on whatever I've said? So we mentioned three stages of your life. Obviously there are other stages that come afterwards, but we want to focus on these three stages. 0 to 7, 7 to 15, and 15 to 40. Right? So some of you are what, 11, 12? You're going to be coming into that stage in, in, in a few years. Yeah. Say that again. I can. Yeah. Forty, yeah. No, there are more stages. So after forty, there's another stage that goes to around fifty. Forty to fifty. Then there's another stage that goes fifty to maybe sixty-five. Then after this is where you become like old, like an old man, right? And then you start losing some of your faculties. You start reverting back. So there are other stages. 
But you know, you guys are far, far away from that stage, so we don't need to talk about that right now. Um, inshallah. That what, sorry? Your deeds start to get rid yeah, of yeah, yeah. Does that mean that your good deeds, will your good deeds still be written when you're young? Yeah, the, the good deeds that you do, whilst you're wrong, they are written, they're written for you. That's, that's right. The righteous deeds that you do, yes, they are written for you. They are in your favor. That's right, yeah, yeah. It's not always 15. It could be before 15 because some children... They, they are able to understand and know what's right or wrong and to make decisions before 15. But 15 is the maximum age, right? And it varies from child to child. Yeah? Okay. So now you all understand that 0 to 7, fun and games. 7 to 15, learning how to become a man or a woman and learning how to make choices and decisions and... Um, um, you know, picking up the qualities of your parents and, and learning from the experience of your parents, you are ready to go and live in the world and to be a righteous person, a person upon Tawheed, upon Iman, upon the Sunnah, and learn, learning how to protect his Iman and his Tawheed because there are many, many challenges and difficulties that are going to come to you. Yes? And the whole purpose behind all of this is life is a trial and a test. This is why Allah Zawajal, he said, Do people think that they will be left alone saying, we believe, and that they will not be tested? We certainly tested those who came before, and we certainly knew, Allah knows, those who are truthful from those who are the liars. So what is the purpose in this part of your life, the third part of your life, and also after that as well? Allah wants to distinguish between the people who are truthful, who worship Him alone, who follow and aid and support His messengers, and who do deeds which are beneficial to them and to the society, who are righteous to the parents. Those kind of people, He wants to distinguish between them, so they can go to paradise, and between the people who are not like that. The people who commit disobedience, who commit sins which are harmful, who are disobedient to their parents, and who... Are, are, are a waste and they, are, you know, they cause ruin and waste in the society. They do wrong things which are harmful to them and to the society. Distinguish between these two parties. Right? So your aim in this stage of your life is you want to learn how to become a righteous, pious Muslim. And you learn this from your parents and from your teachers. And there are four pieces of advice that you need to look at. Right? So we're going to make it easy for you. And so the only thing, there's like four areas that you need to focus upon you as children and likewise as parents who are going to basically give you this tarbiyah. So you need to write down what these four things are. So this is where we come to Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala. He mentions there are, there, are, there are four things. He says, إِنَّ الصَّلَاحِ وَالْفَسَادِ فِي الْأَوْلَادِ لَهُمَا أَسْبَابِ فأسباب الصلاح بعد توفيق الله سبحانه وتعالى تكون بالتربية الصالحة. He says, how do children, how do children, how do we rectify children? It is by giving them a righteous cultivation, right? This is for the parents. You give your children a righteous cultivation, and he says this cultivation is done in four ways. There are four ways. Number one, 
that you educate them about the religion, about Tawheed, about the Sunnah, and you educate them in these affairs. That's number one. This is the first area now where it is a duty upon your parents to nurture you and educate you. The second area is At-Tarbiyah At-Ta'limiyah. This is where now you come to an actual school, a madrasa, and you learn the details of your religion, right? You learn the details about the obligations, about wudu, about the prayer, about fasting, right? How do we wash ourselves properly? How do we do wudu properly? Uh, what are the conditions for prayer? How do we pray properly? What are the, the fasting? How to fast properly? How to do hajj? And all of the other rulings. We learn about the Quran, the explanation of the Quran. We learn the ahadith. Right, this is now what we call an actual education when you come to school and in an in a organized way you learn the affairs of your, of your religion, which is what you are doing right now. You come to the madrasa, you come to the school and you are learning these things. This is the second part of your tarbiyah. The third part of your tarbiyah that the Sheikh mentions is he speaks about how you have to learn a skill or a profession, right? And this is in order for you to find a way to support yourself and to feed yourself and to feed your family. And this is where you learn a skill, you learn a profession, meaning that you are able to find a job, you're able to do some sort of work, some sort of activity, and where you get paid to do that or you start a business, right? So you look at your parents, maybe they have a business and you start learning about how a business operates, how it functions and you, 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 you learn that knowledge and that experience from your parents so that you are in a position to do the same thing so that you are able to support yourself. Let me ask you a question. The food on your table, where does it come from? Huh? Yeah. How, how does the food get on your table? Huh? Obviously it was cooked first, yeah. But how do you get on your, how do you get on your table? Yeah, Allah made it first because of the sun, rain, and all those ways and means. And then from that we get the vegetation, and the animals eat the vegetation. And from the animals we get milk and meat and clothing and things like that. So all these ways and means, Allah has put them there. But then, how did the food physically come to you, onto your table? Huh? Yes, the farmers are involved. What else? Huh? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Your mother, how did it get on the table? Who put it on the table? Who put the food on the table? Did it just come on the table itself? Who put the food on the table? Your mother. Mostly your mother put the food on the table. That's right. Okay, now, your mother put the food on the table, but where did that food actually come from? Where did it come from? Huh? How did it come into your house? Someone bought it, yes, yeah? someone bought it. Does it come for free? No. Does the food in your house come for free? Yeah? Say it out loud again. Your father goes to work, he gets paid for his work, makes money, then he goes to the supermarket and he buys the food and he comes, your mother cooks it and puts it on the table. Right. How long can you live without food before you die? 
couple of weeks here, a bit longer, maybe a bit longer. How long? So how can you? How long can you live before you die without food? Huh? Not three days, no. Because Allah, yes? Huh? Yeah? Sixty-five million years. Wow. You must have eaten a lot of food before that. Sixty-five million years. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Maybe sixty-five days. Sixty-five days, maybe. Basically, it's, it ranges in, in like the weeks to maybe a month or two months, right? How long can you survive without water? Two, three days, maybe three days, right? Before you dehydrate and you basically you die, right? So that means that in order to keep alive, you have to do what? You have to eat and you have to drink, yes? Otherwise, otherwise you are going to die. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Right? So, your father, your parents, your mother and your father, what do they have to do to keep you alive? They have to work, have to work. So that's why the third part, the third, so we mentioned three things. First of all, is education about Tawheed, right? Second part is education about the religion in general, where you learn the details of your religion. The third part is education about a skill, right? How to get a job, how to have skills that you are able to use those skills in order to what? To work and to earn money and to feed yourself and also as your parents get old you have to feed them as well because they fed you when you were young, they changed your nappies, they kept awake at night when you were crying, they had to give you milk, they had to take you to the bathroom because you can't do it by yourself. Right? This is their responsibility to you. And as they get older, then you have to pay this back to your parents. Yes? This is justice. This is justice. You have to pay your parents back and you look after them and you take care of them just like they took care of you. Yes? So that, but, but for you to be able to do that, you have to have skills and you have to be able to earn money. So this is a third part that you should be thinking of at this age between 7 and 15. What can I learn? What can I, what skills can I develop? Let me first of all turn to my father. What does my father do? Your father already has a skill. So you learn that skill. Then you can learn and move other skills as well outside of that, yes? This is the third part of the tarbiyah. The fourth part of the tarbiyah is to do with what it is, a tarbiyah, the tarbiyah which is to do with manners, akhlaq, right? Akhlaq is to do with how you behave with people, right? How, how you deal with people, how you behave with people, how you behave with your parents. Is your language good? Is your language kind? Is, your, is the word that you speak, right? You have to have manners. There are certain manners that you must have in the way that you behave, in the way that you enter the house, in the way that you eat your food, in the way that you greet people who are older than you, and the way you treat people who are younger than you. All of these things are to do with what? With akhlaq, with manners, right? This is something that you have to work upon. Your parents obviously have to be teaching you manners, but you yourself, you have to try to learn, okay, what, what are the best manners that a young man like me should, should have, right? Because why? People who have bad manners, nobody likes people with bad manners, right? And if you don't know how to show good manners when you speak with people, then you're going to find that your life is going to become difficult.
because people don't like kids with bad manners or people with bad manners, right? So the things that you that you always do, that you say Jazakallah khair, you always ask permission, right? You know how to speak to older people, you know how to speak to younger people, right? All of these things are from the akhlaq. And again, this should be something that your teachers are teaching you in the school and your parents are teaching you at home. And likewise, you as kids, you should be asking, oh my father, oh my mother, what, what is good manners in this situation? What should I do in this situation? Yes, you understand. Right? When you come across situations in your life, you ask them, what should I do and how should I do this? Yes, you understand. So what I'm saying to you is that in this lesson of Sheikh Al-Fawzan, he mentions all of these <coughs> four types of tarbiyah. This goes for your parents who, who are supposed to be teaching you these four things. And it also goes for you as children who are slowly becoming men and women for you to basically learn and make sure that you are addressing all of these four things so you become fully grown, mature, righteous, skillful, able-bodied men and women who are able to look after themselves and are able to earn a living, are in a position to get married, start a family, right, and so on and so forth. So this is the, the summary of what the Sheikh has mentioned and because uh, because of time, um, I'm going to very quickly go through each of these four points by looking at some of the texts that the Sheikh has mentioned. So the first thing, uh, that's if I can keep your attention. So shall I continue or do you want to ask questions or what shall we do? Shall we continue? Yeah. Yeah. So I can't, I can't, I didn't hear everything. What happens in single parent families? Single parent families. Okay, it's a very good question. The question was, that what happens when you have single parent families? Now with single parent families, obviously you have a community and you have many other parents within the community. You have things that take place like, like you're all present here now in the uh, masjid or in the madrasa. And it is a duty upon the, the, the community to, to understand the needs of single parent, whether they are mothers or whether they are fathers. And so uh, that aid and assistance should be available and the single parent, mother or father should, you know, reach out for that aid and support and allow their children to mix and to, you know, be present in gatherings like this, be present in the masajid, so that everybody knows that there are some children here who need some extra attention. Right, so that should always be available in a community. In a community like this, as you can see, mashallah, there are hundreds of, you know, more than a hundred of you here present. A large community, alhamdulillah. You have many functions, many gatherings, lessons, durus, weekend, things like that. And so by being in that community and taking part, then your father or your mother, then they will have the support and the assistance uh, that, that, that they need. And this is like the ta'aw and the cooperation that we ought to have as, as Muslims, as people of the, of the sunnah. What happens what? When you're an orphan. Okay, when you're an orphan, then in Islam, Allah has made from the greatest and the best of righteous deeds that a person looks after an orphan, that he takes on an orphan and raises an orphan up until that orphan is able, you know, when he becomes a man or a woman and is able to uh, conduct his own life, right? So once again, from the mercy of Allah in his, in his law, in his legislation, 
He has made this to be from the greatest of righteous deeds, looking after an orphan who has no, has no parents. So again, that situation would be addressed within the community uh, from other people, other people uh, who would you know, be interested and, and support uh, the orphan and give charity and things of that nature. Again, if you are blind and deaf, this is from, these are from the things which Allah decrees upon certain people and through them Allah expiates their sins and makes it easier for them in the hereafter and when there are specific problems that people have like such as, such as blindness or deafness, then again this comes back to the assistance that they get from the community and from other sources, maybe in a, in a government uh, assistance that they give uh, to support them and to um, make sure that they can enjoy the same things that other people uh, enjoy. But this, these, these are all exceptional situations that you're really asking about. So, any other questions before I move on to go into the specific things, yes? What about it? Yeah. No, Jannah. Yeah. No, this this is not the Jannah. The Jannah that that comes after a person after a person dies. This is this is this is something completely different. Whatever we have in this life, it is, it is deficient. It's not, it's not, it's not some, like for example, um, the fruits and the water and everything we eat, it's not the same because it's not the same quality. It's not the same taste. In Jannah, everything is completely different. It's on a different level, right? It is, everything is, is something that you've never tasted before, something you've never seen before, something you've never experienced before. It is something that is completely, it's completely different, it's perfect in every sense. In this life, there are things that we need to do, right? We need to go to the toilet, there are things which are, which are deficiencies, right? In paradise, all these things will no longer be present, and the food will be totally different. So, so we can't compare what we experience in this life to, to with Jannah. Jannah is completely, completely different. In the Quran, Allah says that those people who go into paradise... They will have things that, they, that, that the eyes have not seen and the hearts have never thought about those things. There are things in Jannah that we, that we never, never imagined. So we can't compare between Jannah and between the benefits and the enjoyments that we get in this life. Right? So obviously when you eat things in this life, you get benefit and you get pleasure. And when you drink things, you get pleasure. And when you, all these things, you know, certain clothes that you like and that you wear. But in paradise, it is completely completely different right so paradise is not here paradise is after a person dies and if he is a person of tawheed he worships Allah alone he's righteous to his parents he fulfills his obligations right and he keeps away from sin and disobedience that is the person who will go to paradise and he will enjoy all the benefits and favors and pleasures of paradise yes yeah Okay then, so we're going we're gonna to focus very quickly on 
each of these four things. And can someone remind me what are the four things that you need to be focusing upon? The first one, Tawheed. The first one is Tawheed and the prayer. This is your Tarbiyah in the religion. Yes? Tawheed and the prayer are your first obligations. Is that clear? Well, we're going to speak about this shortly. Secondly, is your education, what you are learning about Islam and the details about Islam, right? About the various obligations, about wudu, about prayer, about fasting, about hajj, and also the details about your belief as well, yes? The third one is to do with what? Acquiring skills. Acquiring skills so that you can become independent, you can earn, and you don't need to rely upon people and be in need, right? Because this is not good to be in that situation. You have to be hardworking, and so on and so forth. The fourth one is what? Huh? Manners, that's right. So let's go through each of these very briefly and bring a text from the Quran or the Sunnah for each one of these so that it becomes very clear to you. So the first one is that we're going to speak about is that the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he told the parents what they should do for their children. He said, Command your children with the prayer when they are at the age of seven. And discipline them when they are at the age of 10. And separate between them in the beds. Right? There are three things which are mentioned in this, in this hadith. Number one, your parents have been commanded to encourage you to start praying at what age? Seven. Remember when I said to you that from the age of seven is when you start slowly becoming like a man or a woman? This is where the parents, they, they start encouraging you to establish the prayer, right? Then he said at the age of 10, it is allowed for the parents to basically tell you off and to discipline you if you don't pray, right? This is, this is not good because prayer is you being grateful for the favors that Allah bestowed upon you, right? Where did the food come from that you're eating? Allah, Allah created it for you. Right, where's the, the clothing that you're wearing? Where did that come from? Your hat and your clothing, where did it come from? That's right, yes. That's right, yeah. Because the materials that, you, that you're wearing, they came from something like maybe an animal or maybe you know, cotton or something like that. And all of this, it grows. It grows. And Allah made it to grow. And that's how you get your clothing. So the first thing that you have to do is to be grateful to Allah. How would you be grateful to Allah? What's the first obligation after, after Tawheed? What is it? It's the prayer. It's the prayer, your five daily prayers. So this is the first thing that your parents have been commanded to encourage you to start doing at the age of seven. At the age of ten, they are allowed to discipline you, to basically tell you off and to discipline you to make sure that you start praying because this is the first obligation after Tawheed. Then he also said to separate them in the beds. From the age of 10. When you start becoming 10, then boys, they sleep separately and girls, they sleep separately. Yes? And this is because boys and girls from this age, they start changing the way they are. Changes start taking place and you start becoming men and girls start becoming women. So they have to be separated because there are things which happen to men which only men know about. And there are things which happen to women which only women know about. 
they are private, they are, they are secret private issues. And so the, the girls are separated and the boys are separated when they start reaching this age because they start learning about certain things. Right? And so in order to protect them and to make sure that men remain men, or boys turn into men and girls turn into women, then the parents, you basically, you separate them and you, you know, they, 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 they make sure that they sleep separately and so on and so forth. So, Allah Azawajal, He said in the Quran, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Indeed, the prayer, it stops you from doing evil things, bad things and evil things, shameful things and evil things. The purpose of the prayer is to what? Is to make you righteous. When you stand in front of Allah Azawajal, and you know Allah is watching you, you know Allah will hold you to account, it will stop you from doing bad things. This is the benefit of prayer. That's why the people who establish the prayer, like whoever is establishing the prayer, this person you will see that this person will not tell lies, because he'll be scared of telling lies. He will be true in his dealings. When he speaks to people, he'll always be telling the truth. He will not cheat people. He will always be honest in, in, in his dealings. This is the effect that prayer has upon a person. The one who is, establishes his prayer, his five daily prayers, that means he's being truthful to Allah. The one who's being truthful to Allah, then obviously he's going to be truthful to other people as well. Isn't that, isn't that correct? Yeah? But if a person is not establishing his prayers, doing his five prayers, if he's not even being, doing his duty to Allah, how then can he do his duty to anybody else? It's not going to be possible. That's why prayer is the greatest issue after the Tawheed of Allah And those people who establish the prayer from the age of seven and stick to the prayer, they have a great reward. And also the prayer gives them so many beautiful qualities. It makes them righteous. It makes them truthful. It makes them fearful of Allah, of doing injustice and harming other people. Right? A person will be more charitable. He will be more kind. He will be more generous. This is what prayer does to you. It reminds you all the time of your duty to Allah uh, Azza wa Jal. So that's why the Shaykh here, he mentioned this particular hadith as it relates to Tawheed and the first obligation in, in Islam after Tawheed, which is establishing the five daily prayers. Right? So these are two things that you need to focus and concentrate upon at this age that you are in from seven uh, onwards. The second point that the Shaykh now mentions is the Tarbiyah Ta'limiyyah. This is the Tarbiyah that relates to your education, right? The most important education that you can have is about what? About Islam and your duty towards your Lord, right? So here the Shaykh mentions that Allah Azawajal khalaqa al-insan wa'allamahu al-bayan. Allah is the one who created man and he also taught him how to speak, right? Are animals able to speak like we are? Do anim animals can speak? Yes, they can, but their speech is not like our speech. In our speech, we are able to speak about ideas, yes? Animals can't do this. Can you see, do you think animals, do you think animals talk about, do you think, for example, um, goats or sheep, do they talk about to each other about building a house or building a car or doing some engineering? Do animals talk like this? Do they have the ability to talk like this? No, no. No animal has the ability to talk in the way that we humans talk. 
Allah has given us, He's taught us the ability to speak and to speak in a way that no one, that no other creature is able to do, right? Apart from jinn, obviously, and, and angels as well. So we have something, we have al-bayan, we're able to, to speak, right? And we are able to understand things. Likewise, Allah he says, insan Allah taught to man what he didn't know. What he didn't know. Let me ask you a question. When you were born, did you know anything? At the moment that you were born, did you know anything? So we are born when we know absolutely nothing. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah? That's what Allah, he said, Allah says in the Quran, uh, uh, Allah brought you out from your mothers when you knew nothing at all. Every person when they're born, they know nothing at all. Right? They don't have any knowledge, not born with any knowledge. And then he says, he made for you hearing and seeing and feeling, senses of feeling and understanding in order that you might be grateful to Allah. So after this point, we start learning and you know, we start understanding. So here, this is where the issue comes in that the second part of your tarbiyah is to come to a school, come to a madrasa and to start learning the details of your religion. Right? The details which you need to know to fulfill your obligations towards Allah. So those things include, first of all, purification. Right? Islam, at-tuhur, shatrul iman. Purity, to be pure and clean, is half of our of iman, half of our, our religion. Yes? So what we need to learn, first of all, is how do we keep ourselves clean? How do we keep ourselves pure? Because in order to pray, we have to be in a purified state. So, so there are many rulings in Islam that are to do with purification. Likewise, there are many rulings in Islam that are to do with the prayer. What are the times for prayer? What are the conditions for prayer? What are we allowed to wear? What, what should the clothing be for men or women when they are praying? Right? All these things are rulings that you need to know at this age and to understand because they help you to fulfill the greatest obligation to Allah. Right, so you come to the madrasa, so this is a, the second part of your tarbiyah, which is learning the details of these obligations. And you do that, you come to the madrasa, you come to a, uh, a madrasa where the imam is good, the teachers are good, they're upon the sunnah, they're upon tawheed. And um, uh, you, know, you, you remove ignorance from yourself. Right. Now in the Quran, the shaykh says that Allah Azawajal, he has distinguished between animals and between people people or people who like you know who, who, who learn his tawheed and be grateful to him they are unlike the animals if a person doesn't acquire knowledge then he will become like the animals yes what's the difference between animals and humans that's what yeah Animals don't have the ability. What do animals do? Anim what's, what's a day of an animal? The animal wakes up in the morning, goes and looks for his food. Yes? That's right, yeah. So what I'm saying is, what does an animal do? Animal, it just wakes up or, you know, if, if it goes to sleep. It eats his prey. Then it needs to go to the toilet. Yeah, but the, the toilets, they go in the open, right? And then they go to sleep, then they drink some water, and then they go to sleep. And then they also maybe, they produce children. That's all they do. 
right? So, so let me ask you a question. If a human being, if a person was to live his life and do just the same things, he just eat, drink, sleep, right? And then what makes him different to an animal? Yes. Very good, very good answer. Animal does not have aql, does not have the ability to reason in the same way that humans do. What else? Can animals make the choices like we are able to make? Yeah. We are able to make choices in a much, in a different way, right? Um, what else do we do? We can do things, we are able to worship Allah in a way that animals are not able to worship. Uh, the animals do worship Allah. But this is because Allah hasn't given them the, the, the choices and the ability to make decisions like he has given to us, right? So what makes us different is we are able to sit down and reflect and think. Like an animal doesn't sit there, like a cow doesn't sit there and think, start thinking about life and the universe and the sun and the moon. The, the cow just does whatever Allah has programmed it to do, right? So it worships Allah in that way. But with humans, it's different. With humans, Allah has given them a choice because He wants to see which of them are going to be grateful and which of them are going to be ungrateful. So we can actually sit there, we can sit there and start thinking, reflecting, looking at the sun and the moon and the stars and the clouds and the trees and the rain. We can start thinking about all these things, where they came from, how they got here, how these are all favours to us, we enjoy the favours. Then, then we are able to think, you know what, I need to be grateful to the creator of these things. But, but a cow or a sheep is not able to think like this. Do you understand? So, what makes us different to an animal is that we are able to acquire knowledge. Yes? Cows don't go to madrasa. Sheep don't go to madrasa. Right? Allah has programmed them in a way where they don't have a choice. They worship Allah in the way that they do. But if we did not learn knowledge, if we didn't acquire knowledge, and we didn't remove ignorance from ourselves, there wouldn't be any difference between us and between the animals. So life is not just about eating, drinking, going to sleep, relieving oneself and enjoying and whatever else. Life is more than that, right? It is to remove ignorance from yourself and then to act upon that knowledge. This is what makes you an upright, noble person. Right, so that's why the Sheikh, the second point that the Sheikh mentions here, it says that the duty of the parents is to give their children a good education about the affairs of the religion. So they remove ignorance from themselves. And obviously all of you have the benefit of coming to this madrasa, to this masjid, and you need to use your time properly, carefully, wisely, and to remove ignorance from yourself. Yes, that's number two. Number three... Islam also teaches us to be concerned about the world as well. That's why the Shaykh, the third thing he mentioned was a tarbiya al-mihaniya. This is the tarbiya which is to do with acquiring a skill, right? A profession to become good at something, which you can then do to either get a job or to give services to someone else in exchange for money. And this now allows you to become uh, independent. You're able to Look after yourself, able to buy your food and your drink and your clothing and so on and so forth. So the Sheikh mentions here, he says, he mentions an ayah in the Quran in which Allah says, وَابْتَلُوا الْيَتَامَ حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغُوا النِّكَاحِ فَإِنْ آنَسْتُمْ مِنْهُمْ رُشْدًا فَادْفَعُوا إِلَيْهِمْ أَمْوَالَهُمْ 
In this verse, Allah is telling the parents who look after orphans that test these orphans, test them to see are they able to use money in a good way? Are they able to trade and are they able to uh, benefit and be successful in trade? So basically your parents at this age, when you're coming to the age of 10, they should be training you and testing you about issues to do with money and skills, acquiring skills. They should be teaching you things, these things at this age of 10 so that you understand how the world works, how money comes into your pocket, what are, the, what are the halal ways in which you earn money? Because there are halal ways, there are haram ways to get money. And haram ways to get money, it is, it is evil and it will, it, will, it will have a bad effect upon you, upon your body, upon your akhlaq, upon things like that. So your parents should be teaching you these type of things at this age. And that's why the Shaykh mentioned this ayah, it, this verse, it means that train the children, test the children to see if they understand these things. And once they've been trained and you can see that they're able, they, are, they are able to uh, you know, trade and be successful in trade and able to make money, then you can basically give them more money and make them independent and you can see that they're able to basically, basically they're at the age where they're able to get married and to start a family, right? So the third thing that you need to pay attention to is to be interested in what your parents are doing, right? If your father is going to work, ask him, Father, what do you do? How did you do what you are doing? What did you learn? How can I learn this, right? Be inquisitive. Don't spend time away from your parents, spending time alone by yourself in the house, in your room or whatever, because you are you're cutting yourself off and you are losing a lot of benefit. Right? Do you know which children are always the most successful? Which are the children who are always do the best? The children of Adam? Yes, that's true, partly, yes. But the children, which children? That's right. Children who spend more time with their parents. Think about it. Let, let's, let me ask someone a question. How old is, how old is your father? 33. Anybody else? How old is your father? 65 million years. Huh? 53. MashaAllah. How old are you? Six. All right. Let's take this as an example. So you are six and you said your father is 53. Well, let's just take that. You know, let's say he's 53. That means your father has been living for 47 years more than you. Wow, yes, right? This means your father has how many years of experience? 47 years of experience, right? So he knows he's experienced things for 47 years that you don't know. Now imagine you could tap into someone's brain and learn everything that they know. All right? Huh? You sit with your parents and you ask them questions. No, well, you don't, you don't go inside the brain, but you find, out, you find out what's in their brain by asking questions. Yes? You will only do this if you spend time with your parents and ask them questions. So what I'm saying to you is, the children who when they grow up and they're going to be the most successful type of children, are the ones who sit with their parents and who learn everything that their parents know, right? Whereas if you just sat around by yourself, isolated, 
right? And you're just doing whatever you're doing and you don't bother to ask your parents, what is this? How is this? How does that work? What shall I do? And you don't benefit from the experience. You are going to be from the children who fall behind in life. Do you understand? Right? That's why it's very, very important to pay attention to this third type of tarbiyah that you children need, which is the tarbiyah of learning a skill, learning how to earn money, learning how to earn it in a halal, lawful way, how to be just, how to be honest, and what types of skills. These kind of things is something that you need to sit with your parents and ask them to teach you or ask them questions about what they are doing. Right? So you can at least develop those skills. That's why the Sheikh here says that this is, how, this is what children used to be. This is how they used to be like. Whatever profession the father was doing, the child would automatically learn it. Right? So you shouldn't waste your time doing things which are not of benefit. There are a lot of time, a lot of things which you children have today which didn't used to be there 20 years ago. Right? Like having these devices, phones, devices. A lot of this is just wasting your time. Right? It doesn't benefit you. Do you understand? You just sat there staring at the screen, looking at silly things, wasting time. It makes you laugh for two minutes and then you forget about it. Right? All of this is not really going to benefit you. Playing games, whatever. Right? You shouldn't waste too much of your time in these things because you are losing important time in building your life. Right? So the third thing that the Sheikh has mentioned here is this tarbiyah to do with... The skill or the what you call it, and all of this is something that you take from your parents, which you should pay attention to. And we'll finish with the fourth thing, which is the issue of manners. Yes, and the Sheikh mentions one hadith which I'll mention. This is just by way of example only. And this hadith is to do with manners when you are eating. Yes, but there are manners in many things, there are manners when you enter the house. There are manners in which you seek permission from your parents to enter the room. There are manners when you deal with older people. There are manners when you deal with younger people. But the Shaykh here has mentioned just one hadith which teaches us the manners to do with eating. So on one occasion, uh, one of the companions who was a young, young boy, Abdullah bin Abbas, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Abdullah bin Abbas, you know this companion? He was a young boy, just like you guys, some of you guys who are 10, 11. And he was from the greatest scholars of Islam. How did he become a scholar of Islam? Okay, he followed his parents, but he actually spent time with the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Yeah? He spent time with people who are, who are older than him. He spent time with the messenger of Allah Sallallahu and he acquired all this knowledge. But in this hadith, what happened is, Ibn Abbas, as a young boy, maybe your age, he was sat and they were eating with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Messenger he saw him eating you know, in, in a certain way. So he said to him, O oh, young man, Ya Ghulam, Inni, uh, sorry, this is, uh, this is, um, This is another hadith. We'll come to that other hadith after it's about eating. But this is another hadith. This is Ibn Abbas and he said to him, giving him general advice. Oh, young boy, I will teach you some words. Number one, be mindful of Allah. Be mindful of Allah. Know that Allah is watching you. And if you behave that way, then you will find Allah to be in front of you. Meaning that Allah is above the seven heavens. 
but he will be there to help you and to aid you. When you ask for something, ask it from Allah. When you seek aid, when you seek help, then ask it from Allah. And you should know that help from Allah comes when you show patience. And that after times of difficulty, there will be ease. Right? So these are some general advices that he gave to Ibn Abbas as a young man. And on another occasion, coming back to this issue of when he was eating, and there was a young boy who was present eating with him. And this boy was eating by, you know, taking from different parts of the dish. So the messenger of Allah, he said to him, O young man, mention the name of Allah, Sammillah. When you eat, mention the name of Allah before you eat. And secondly, eat, wakul biyaminik, eat with your right hand. And thirdly, wakul mimma yalik, eat from the food which is closest to you. Do you understand? Don't eat from over there which is someone else and over there, but eat from the food that is near to you and take it from there. So these are some of the manners, these are what we, what we call table manners, manners when you are eating food, right? Mention the name of Allah, eat with your right hand and eat from whatever is closest to you. This is just one example of many examples which are to do with manners. And it is a duty upon your parents to teach you these manners in different parts of your life. So what you need to do as children, you need to ask your parents or my father or my mother, how should I behave in this situation? When I go to someone's house and I'm visiting, what is the best way to behave? What, what is from manners? Please teach me. This is what you need to be asking these questions and your parents need to be teaching you these things, right? So this now is the fourth issue, fourth thing that you children need to focus upon uh, in order to develop yourself and to become righteous Muslims upon Tawheed, upon Sunnah, with good characters who also understand about life and the world and how to earn a living and how to earn a rizq and to become independent and not to rely upon other people. Right, so is all of that clear to you? So I think we should stop now because I know your attention spans are, you know, been going for an hour now. And uh, so we'll finish off if you've got any questions about some of these things, let's just summarize what we, what we learned and we can stop there inshallah. First of all, the stages in a person's life, in your life, what are the stages? The first stage. That's the first stage, okay, that's okay. Zero to seven is the first stage in your life. This is the easiest stage, yes? Fun, games, your nappies are changed for you, you're put to bed by your parents. Your food and drink is given to you by your parents, yes? Very, very easy. Number two? 7 to 15. This is a stage that probably most of you here now are present in, yes? All of you are 7 to 15. This is a stage where, you're slow, where you are slowly now turning and becoming into young men and young women. And so this is where you need to learn what does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be a woman? And what are the types of things that are going to prepare you? to be a good, righteous man or woman. And there are four things, yes? Four things from what the, what the Sheikh has mentioned. What are those four things? First one, that you need to all focus upon. You and your parents need to work together. First is what? Tawheed and the prayer. Obviously there are other obligations, but these two are the greatest things. Learn Tawheed. What is Tawheed? How do you establish Tawheed? And the first 
right of Tawheed is establishing the prayer. The prayer is from the greatest of things that is going to make you live a righteous, good, healthy, prosperous life. If you establish your prayers and seek to them, then you will be a person who is strong mentally, right? You will be able to handle the challenges of life, right? As opposed to those who don't pray. Those who don't pray, you'll find these, these are weak people. They are very impatient. When a calamity happens, you will find that they're not able to handle the calamity. But the people who establish the prayer, who are disciplined, you will find that they will be strong. They will be, have this resolve and any calamities and hardships that come to them, they're able to deal with them easily. Do you understand? Right? So this is your tarbiyah diniyyah, first one. Tawheed and the prayer and obviously the other things which come after that as well. The second thing that is, was what he mentioned, which means a tarbiyah to learn the affairs of your religion, the rulings of the religion, right? About wudu, prayer, fasting, hajj, and likewise other things about the Quran, tafsir, basically all of the details of your religion that you need to know as the basics. Yes? That's what you need to focus upon. Third one. To learn a skill. To learn a skill or a profession. How do you do this? You solve problems, right? This is how you, you look at what people are doing. You think, okay, how can I solve a problem for this group of people? Right? How can I make life easy for this group of people? What things can I get? What service can I do? Or what product can I create? If you start thinking like this, you look at what people are doing, you think, okay, these people, is there some way that I can simplify their life or make easier what they are doing, make it more efficient? If you start thinking like this, you'll start getting ideas about how to create a product or how to create a service. And this is how you start a business, right? And then you become, you know, you, you earn money. You have to think in a certain way. Or you acquire a skill. Maybe you think, is there a skill that people need? Let me acquire that skill. So some people choose to be an electrician. Some people choose like a skill which is like this. Other people look and see how can I solve problems for people and make life easy for them, right? And then they study, investigate, and they find, hang on, I could actually create a product here. I could create a service here which people are in need of. And then I can make money out of that. That's the third thing that you need to be start thinking about and pay attention to so that you become strong. Why? Because we are taught in the sunnah the upper hand is better than the low hand. The upper hand, when someone, when, when, when someone gives, what happens? You have the hand and you give like this, right? Which one's giving? Which one's taking? Right. Which is the better position to be in? When you are giving or when you are taking? Why giving? Because you are in a position of strength. Yes? If you're just taking, you are in a position of weakness. That's why the Messiah said the upper hand is better than the lower hand. Better that you be someone who gives than someone who takes, right? To be able to be someone who gives, you give in charity, you give out of your generosity, you have to have wealth. To have wealth, how do you have wealth? Huh? Learn a skill, yes? That's why it is very important for us to learn how to earn wealth. There's nothing wrong with earning wealth, right? There's nothing haram about earning. It's law. It's halal. It's uh, lawful to do this. And in fact, in the times that we are living in now, it is necessary to do this. Otherwise, you cannot survive in, in, in life. So you never ever neglect this aspect of your life. This is the third type of tarbiyah. And that's why you can see Islam does not 
lead you to neglect anything. Islam wants you to maximize your hereafter and likewise to maximize your, maximize your life in this world. Some of the companions were very, very rich. Abu Dhar al-Ghifari and many others, they were extremely rich and they were involved in business. And they were also very generous and they aided, Abu Bakr aided Islam and other uh, Sahaba aided Islam. Right, so you have to think like this and not to neglect this aspect of your tarbiyah. And the fourth and final one, most important is, is manners, akhlaq. Why? Because with akhlaq, people get on with each other and life is made easier. If you are rude, if your speech is foul, if you don't ask permission, if you, all these things, people don't like a person with bad manners, they keep away, they don't want to be involved with a person with bad manners, right? So your akhlaq, meaning how you behave in every situation, when you eat, when you sleep, when you mix with people, are you honest in your dealings? Are you truthful when you speak? Are you just in the way that you, that you, you know? All these things are from your development of, uh, this is from the development of your manners, your akhlaq, right? This is the fourth thing that you need to pay attention to. So now, you've got a program in front of you, you know exactly what you should be focusing upon for the next five, six, seven, eight years of your life because the Sheikh has given us a very good categorization. Tarbiyah in your deen, tarbiyah in your the education, tarbiyah in your skill, profession, and finally tarbiyah in your akhlaq and your manners. Very easy. And so with that, we'll conclude our lesson there for today. I think prayer is at one o'clock. So we'll stop at this point. You can do wudu and relax for a bit. And we'll stop at this point. Wajazakumullahu khairan for your patience. And may Allah grant you firmness and make you righteous and make you the pleasure of the eye for your, for your parents, inshallah ta'ala.